0: So, we are doing chapter 48. It's called uh, Bestowal of Grace Upon a Doubting Devotee. This is from Sai Satcharita. My obeisance to Sri Ganesh, to Sri Saraswati, to Sri Guru Maharaj, to the family deity, to Sri Sita Ramchandra, my most humble obeisance, I bow in reverence to the most venerable Guru, Sri Sainath. As this chapter was started, a listener who was listening with great reverence asked, is Sri Sai a Guru or a Sadguru? To satisfy him, let us begin briefly state the qualities of a Sadguru so that we can identify those marks of a Sadguru on Sri Saina. The non do not call him, call him a Sadguru from whom the Vedas are studied or a knowledge of the six shastras is gained or by whom an exposition of Vedanta is given. Now, normally what happens is when you go to any of the Shastris or Maharajas, Maharajas Maharaj are the people those who can uh, do all sorts of you know recitations, talks, they can do all sorts of things and also they, in, they have a peculiar methodology of working in their world on the spiritual path. So if you meet such type of a person who is good in Vedanta, who is good in Shastras, who can tell you stories, those who give satsangs, those who are in a position to expose on a few, give an exposition on a few subjects, whether those people are there? No. They are basically gurus. Some hold up their breath in pranayam, wear out their bodies made by red hot metal coins or amuse their listeners by lecturing on Vedanta. But the knowledgeable do not call this Sadguru. So there are those people who do pranayam, those who do uh, those who uh, teach you all sorts of yogic activities like you know, Hat Yoga and all that. And uh, there are those who talk about Vedanta, lecturing on Vedanta. But these are called knowledgeable people. They are basically Shastris. They are not uh, what we call as Sadgurus. Shastri, a person who can expound on certain Shastras. In conform- confirmation with the Shastra, they also give Mantra to their di- disciples with proper rites and rituals and command them to do Japa. So what do they do? Some of them, they also teach Japa Yoga. They'll say, okay, this is the Mantra that you are given. Uh, I just uh, have to hold on, I think, one second. Now. So, then there are those people who, what do they give? Is They give you a certain Mantra and they will say that okay this is a japa yoga you keep on doing this japa yoga uh, to all these threads you know and uh, you will find there are these kind of people existing in this world as well so you can go to all these kinds of people and they will be granting you this idea about japa yoga or Yoga Sana, you know the hatha yoga they will teach you shastras they will uh, expound on a few subjects they will you know, tell you stories these are all different kinds of people existing in the world. But none of these, none of these, including the ones who teach you pranayam or yogasana, they can be called as sadguru. They are basically a very low level teachers. So what happens to them? And no one is really sure as to when this, okay. In confirmation with the Shastra, they also give mantra to their disciples with proper rites and rituals and command them to do Japan. But no one is really sure as to when this will bear fruit. What is the meaning of the word bear fruit? Bear fruit means reach the state of self-realization or you are able to get the profound knowledge of the Brahma. So you should be able to achieve these two objectives. The final objective is what? Realization, knowledge of the self. Okay. Now in most of the places what happens is some of the people what they say is I can give you, I can show you God. Now, then you wonder whether this person is capable enough. Alright, so some people say that I will give you the Darshan of a God. Now what does that mean? Darshan of a God? What kind of God are we talking about? So, they, so you say, okay, fine, I can show you some God, maybe X, Y or Z. But that is not called again, Sadhguru. You can get any deities darshan if you actually want to. You can do your, your own pranayama. You don't need a teacher also. You can do your pranayama. You can count those things and you can definitely reach a state where you are able to see all these kind of foreign creatures on this planet Earth. You will also be able to see ghosts, also if you want. And that doesn't mean that you have reached the state of realization or you have seen, you have become God-realized or something like that. God-realization has nothing to do with seeing some creatures on this planet Earth. No, 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 not even seeing deities. Okay, because if you if you really want to see all these type of people, why not go to the burial ground and uh, sit over there the whole night? Maybe you will see more of them <laughs> rather than doing all these kind of japas or all these kind of nonsensical things. The discourse on the Brahma which is highly interesting and rhetorical, but sadly lacking in self-experience, such knowledge is hollow and literal. What happens is, the some of the people, they are able to talk about, say, the Bhagavad Gita, or they can talk about the Bhagavatam. If you actually open the TV and you see, there are lots of people who are giving a lot of satsangs on the Bhagavatam or Ramayana or Mahabharata so it's like uh, okay those people are giving some sort of a understanding to you but does it mean that that is what it is no just giving an exposition again doesn't comprise of someone who has reached the state of a Sadhguru. when listen to attentively it can create a disgust for the worldly and other enjoyments but he alone who is experienced In himself can convey the sweetness of the actual experience of oneness with the Brahma what happens is when you listen to these beautiful stories let us say for example I can give you an example see just now today I have posted one video in YouTube okay go to that video check out that video I am sure by the time you come to the end of the video you will be crying the reason why you will cry is you feel very emotional looking at that video or you watch some movies when you watch some movies you feel like either bashing up the villain or you feel like as if crying out because somebody is losing and somebody is dying (laughs) all kinds of things are happening so what happens is when an exposition is being given by these people you feel like you are beginning to you know lose the taste of this material world incidentally losing taste with the material world is the third part First, you know, when you are a small boy, you have have reached a particular stage, after that you have married, you have joined another stage in life, and the third one is called the Vanaprasthashram. In the Vanaprasthashram stage, you are naturally supposed to have this state of dispassion. Okay or otherwise you are going to what do you think you are going to do you are going to carry your mercedes benz and you are going to carry your five star hotel with you for Prastashram. that means you are going to take a Vanaprasthashram in some homestay or what <laughs> that is not the way the home Prastashram means you literally leave everything and you walk away so you are completely dispassionate so any which way dispassion comes in the third stage in life the third stage most of the times appears to us in a state where you know we have worked for many many years in some company maybe you have worked for the indian railways or banks or something like that and after working for so many years and writing the same old things or typing out the same old messages finally after 30 35 years of service you become so fed up with life and listening to uh, you know the husband or the wife just go jabber 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 full day fights in and out just think about it children yelling away and so many you know problems in the house naturally you are pushed towards one of prastashram okay or you become dispassionate otherwise also so you will find that all these people who are retired and all you look at their faces and that person will say what is left in this world for me to do? Nothing. I have finished everything in this world to do. Bula, abhi kya kar Nothing. You see, I am just going to all the holy places in India. I have joined this group, and in with which I am going to all these holy places. We visit, you know, Haridwar, Rishikesh, and the Badrinath, Kedarnath. Oh, last time we went for the Char Dham Yatra. It was such wonderful thing, you know, I click so many pictures, I put them on YouTube. At the age of 65, the person says that I have put it on, uh, sorry, not on YouTube, on Facebook. You can go and see my pictures over there. Oh, is this how you do your, you know, dispassion? I am telling you one of the real instances, okay? This is not a concocted instance, this is an instance of a person who after working for 30 years in a bank, after finishing the whole story in their life, had finally given up everything and said, you know, I am fed up with this life. Okay, so what I will do? I will take up Tirtha Yatra. And how many people are there? A lot of people are Tirtha Yatra. 35-40 people, we have we have a group, you know. In Mumbai, there is a place called Mulund. Oh, Mulund mein group hai, Mulund ke group mein hum log jate hai. Well, last year we kider gaye last year hum we trimbakeshwar gaye the we fir shirdi ja ke aaye acha bahut achhi baat hai we pehle बरस mein hum yatra you want to see pictures i said okay let me see pictures you see go go and see in facebook i put them up i, I will tag you if you want lo at the age of 65 the person is telling me i will tag you Then what kind of vanaprasthashram or what kind of dispassion is this, I don't know. Facebook and dispassion don't go together. I am also on Facebook, see. (laughs) So the thing is, dispassion comes otherwise also. Because you get fed up with life. You know, fed up with life is, even if you are fed up of your husband or you are fed up of your wife also, you become dispassionate. Seriously, if you, if you are fed up of your children, no, one day you want to pull your hair out and you want to say, I want to, take, I want to go to the Himalayas. I want to sit over there. So, dispassion can come to anybody. So, it is not necess- necessarily that you have to think, you know, that dispassion doesn't come. Dispassion comes to literally everybody. Hey, imagine, imagine, if you are eating a chicken tandoori every single day for the next 20 years of your life, I'm sorry, finally you are going to get fed up of it. And after that day, you will say, "I have got to stop eating chicken altogether." So, only he who has the authority to instruct a disciple, who has a complete knowledge of the Vedas and also a full experience of giving his disciple the actual experience of it, that only such as one can be called a Sadguru. See, what are the what are the things that are very very pointed out like it's, it's like a you know qualification of a Sadguru. First is. He should have been given the authority to instruct the disciple. Everybody is not given authority. So, who is given you the authority? Oh, don't worry, that I was doing my lecturership in uh, Bhavan's college, and from there I have got this, you know, degree, post graduation degree in Vedanta. So, I have been given this special quality of giving instructions to the disciple. These are not special qualifications given by some institutes, okay? So let us not get into all that. Uh, incidentally, I was, uh, I was reading a very beautiful article written by somebody and uh, at the end of the article it is written that this person has, uh, is a postgraduate from one of the great universities in America in religion and something something. And today he has become a great guru in yoga. Wow! That is a very great way of doing life. You know, that is that is not the way. I am sorry. This, this discipleship, which you are going to get, you now you have been given the instruction by the divine itself. The divine means whom? By God himself, sir. Or the one who has become realized. The one who is God realized. Such a type of a person gives instructions. Only that person is allowed to give instructions, nobody else. Now take the case of Vivekananda. Vivekananda was given by Sri Ramakrishna Paramahansa. Definitely he has to be very very qualified. So I can definitely say that Ramakrishna Paramahansa who is the Sadguru had given instructions to his disciple Vivekananda. He becomes a guru. That is the reason why he was able to expound on those subject matters. Then, but he who has no, okay, we will, uh, who has complete knowledge of the Vedas. Now, where do you get this knowledge of the Vedas? Now, Vedas does not mean those four Vedas that we are talking about, okay? Now, what does Vedas mean? The person who knows the principles at the beginning of time, when God was creating this entire universe. This is the person we are talking about. This is the person, the the things which are embedded in the system. These are the embedded Vedas. This is basically the rule book of this universe. It tells you what are the do's and the don'ts. It gives you the ways of rituals, the way things are to be done. You know many a times you will find that Ramakrishna Paramahansa would not accept water from somebody's hands. He would say that this person is a very tainted person, I will not drink water from his hands. Now you will wonder, how can a person who is a realized person talk like this? What is these Vedas and the Shastras, what are they teaching like this kind of things, is it? No the righteousness, the path of righteousness has to be followed. So, Ramakrishna Paramahansa was following the righteous path. At that point in time, he refused to drink water from the hands of somebody who has already a tainted person. His basic motivation to come over there was to come and test the Guru. So that is the reason why he refused it. Whereas, whereas in case of the two other devotees, one is Surendra. And the second one is Girish Ghosh. Now, these two people were ayash people. They were continuously, you know, drinking, womanizing, all sorts of things they were doing. And yet, when they came to Ramakrishna Paramahansa, why did he accept them? There is a difference. Can you see the difference? One person offered him a glass, he refused. The other person offers him literally everything and Ramakrishna Paramahansa accepts it. So the story with Girish Ghosh is, Girish Ghosh goes to meet Ramakrishna. And when he is meeting Ramakrishna Paramahansa, at that point in time, he can see God standing in front of him. So he says to Ramakrishna Paramahansa, he says, can you take me under your wing? And Ramakrishna says, I can. He says, you are my God. I don't want any other thing. But will you, will you take care of me? He says, yes, I can. Provided you give me the power of attorney. Power of attorney. Complete surrender at the Guru's feet. So, Girish Gosh says, yes, I want to give you my power of attorney. I will surrender everything at your feet. So, he says, then from today onwards, you are one with me, and then now you are free to do anything. So Girish Gosha asks him, So does it mean to say that from today I cannot drink, I cannot see women, I cannot do this, I cannot do that? And Ram Krishna Paramahansa says, I never said anything like that. Please go and do whatever you used to do in this material world. Go, you want to drink, you go. You want to go and do this, go. Does not matter. So he says, but isn't that sin? He says, you have given me the power of eternity, isn't it? So it is my Uttar I am supposed to take care of you. Don't worry. You can go and do whatever you want to. Your karma is my problem, not your problem from today onwards. So the moment you surrender at these kind of sages, who are the highest kind, they are called the sadhgurus. When you surrender to their feet, they take charge of you. And their Vedas or their knowledge is not a bookish knowledge where Ramakrishna is asked a question Ki Do you know Bhagavad Gita? He says I am sorry I don't know Bhagavad Gita So the person asks him You don't know Bhagavad Gita? But you are a great guru isn't it? He says see I know only Gita the word Okay And this word if I convert it In the reverse order, that is all I know about that Gita. So he says, what is that? He says, tagi. Tagi, you know, renunciation. Tyaga, renunciation. He says, that is all I know about the Bhagavad Gita. So now tell me, this word over here, who has complete knowledge of the Vedas? Ramakrishna Paramahansa himself said, I don't know the fifth Veda called the Bhagavad Gita. I don't know. And even where Vedas are concerned, he says, I don't understand any of these Vedas or the Shastras, you know what, because I only know that they talk about God. Besides that, I have absolutely no knowledge about them. But his knowledge is divine. This Bhagavad Gita, this Gita that we are talking about or these Vedas or these great Shastras that we are talking about is the divine knowledge. It is not embedded in a body. It is not a body knowledge. It is not a knowledge which is stored in the brains. Okay. There is no database existing. There is no hard drive inside his his, uh, brains. Okay. Where he is storing all the knowledge. There is nothing like that. Again, he is not expounding from uh, some book somewhere somebody has written some books so is expounding no 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 there is nothing like that these Vedas are the basis on which this universe has been created and that knowledge exists in only such kind of divine beings so only such a person who has the authority to instruct the authority comes from God itself directly who has complete knowledge of the Vedas and has a full experience of giving his disciple the actual experience of it it is like, how does a person know? Experience means what? Experience means, let us say for example, when Vivekananda, he comes to Ji and he says, Ki, you know, I want to see Ma. And Ji says, go, you will go and see her, go. And then what happens? Vivekananda meets Ma four times or three times, whatever. This is what it is. The experience which that person has, the other person also has. That is the knowledge of the Divine can be seen, can be heard, can be experienced. You can actually see God. Not the God that I was talking about earlier, earlier, that is called the Deity. Who is God? This is that Divine Being which we call as the Supreme Divine Consciousness. The Ma of Ramakrishna Paramahansa was this Divine Consciousness that we are talking about. She was the highest, the highest. So, only when this person says, yes you will have this great experience and the experience is so profound, it is unimaginable. Unimaginable means, it's just a small glimpse by the way, it is not going to be like a 70mm stereophonic sound and you know full length feature film no sorry it lasts only for one second like this and it finishes it disappears it it doesn't then it doesn't remain over there for a long time so it's just a glimpse of it and this divine glimpse will make you understand that the guru that you are talking about is the sadguru this is just a small whiff like this so he gives a full experience to the, giving the disciple the actual experience of it. Only such a one can be called a sadhguru. But he who has no experience himself, what can he give to his disciple? Somebody who is not God realized, how can he give any, any experience to the disciple? Nothing think about it. I am going to talk to you about some fruit which you have not even seen. Okay, it's a scaly fruit. I was uh, describing it to somebody just a few days ago. It's a scaly fruit. It looks like a brown, uh, you know, it is like that and like that. I keep on describing it. What are you talking about? Nobody can understand. So I will tell you after some time, it is called snake fruit. Oh, ho, oh, snake fruit, snake fruit. As if you know snake fruit. You have seen snake fruit maybe in Wikipedia or maybe in Google or something like that. But have you actually seen it? No. This is not called an experience. An experience means that which that person is actually in constantly 24 bar 7. These people are 24 bar 7 lost in this divine world of theirs. Sometimes they come out in the material world and behave completely like human beings, okay? They will behave like absolute human beings. So such type of people who are more or less in that state, they can grant such kind of an experience but those who cannot are not the Sadguru. He without such actual experience should never be called a Sadguru. He who does not even dream of taking any service from his disciple but on the other hand wishes to wear his body out for the disciple's cause, know that he is a Sadguru. See this is a very strange fact again which you need to understand. A guru or a sadguru, a sadguru basically, is a person, he doesn't want anything for himself. He is 24 bar 7 thinking about his disciples' growth. He is thinking, Ki, how will these people grow in their world? He is not thinking that, oh, I want to make a billion dollars or I want to make this. I no, he is basically looking at what is it that he can offer to the disciples, not what he can take from the disciples. He is never bothered about taking anything. He is bothered about giving and offering to them. Such a type of a person is called the Sadhguru. He does not even dream of taking any service from the disciple, but on the other hand wishes to wear out his body for the disciple's cause. Know that he is a Sadhguru. That Sadhguru alone is beneficial. Who does not have a conceit that a disciple is insignificant, while the Guru is the greatest among the great? So somebody who keeps on saying, you know, "Tum kis ki muli ho," uh, I, I I will come to it. Huh? I don't because I can't see so far. <laughs> Parma has written something. Anyway, I'll come to it. <laughs> so what happens is that Sadhguru is beneficial who does not have conceit. Conceit means what? See, conceit is I come from this lineage. I am from this particular school of Vedas or the Shastras. How many people have told you this? You know, I come from this, this place. Some place they will name it. They will say, I did my, uh, you know, great shastri work from this particular institute and this particular guru. And Why do you need to tell all that thing? It's not important. You don't even have to show that self-conceit. Self-conceit comes out of sitting on some fancy places, talking about fancy subjects, and talking about his own self. Where you came from, how did it happen and so on. Not important at all. No importance should be given. So, I was reading about a a great person who stays in a place very close to uh, Coimbatore. Okay. Uh, That place is called Tapuanam. Now Nala is the name of this Gurudev who stayed over there, who doesn't, now he's not there. But uh, everybody came and asked him of any question. He, they asked him what's his age. And he says that uh, I, I, I am very old. And while these people in year 65 and 70s and all at that time, and people asked him certain questions. From the questions they came to know that this sage had met Sai Baba, had met Ramakrishna Paramahansa, had met literally, you know, some of the greatest of the gurus in India as well. So then they were wondering what his age could be. Because somebody in 65 and 70 and all that, if somebody is meeting Ramakrishna ji and all that, 1885 and all that, how old he must be? Later on everybody had an argument Maybe he is 100 years old Maybe he is 110 But by looking at him Finally people started asking him questions And he started answering questions Which were over 150 years ago So then the question still arose How old is he? Finally they arrived at the conclusion He must have been 167 years old But he never looked over 70 how can you look at <laughs> So it was a very strange story. And then that person has actually met them. It is a very strange history. So this is how the sages are. You know, sages are very very strange creatures. They <laughs> and Sadgurus can never be understood this way. They are very very strange creatures. It's like, uh, you know, Thailanga Swami was supposed to be over 350 years old. 350? You will wonder how can a person live for so many years where, you know, it is not a documented case, but he could recite things from 300 years ago and 400 years ago. And that is the strange part. So, Sadhguru's age can never be confirmed. They will look like very, you know, sometimes very young of 8 years and 10 years or sometimes 20 years and So their age can never be confirmed, ascertained, like you say, ascertained. Okay, you can go and see their birth birth certificate and all that and you will think, okay, okay, he is born in this year. (laughs) But the type of stories that they talk and the type of things that they do will tell you that they are not, they are not the body. It is not the body we are looking at. We are looking at something completely different. So, that is the reason why he is called the greatest among the great. The disciple is looked upon as Brahma itself and is loved as a son, without expecting him any support for a livelihood, such a Sadguru is the greatest in the world. There is no expectation. There is no expectation that somebody has to provide for food or somebody has to... These are free, free for the air, you know. Like somebody calls, they will go to their place, stay for a day, two or three days and they will disappear. After that they will go somewhere else and then they will somewhere else. And it does not really matter to this kind of people, you know. They don't have any specifics in their world. They don't go and say, you know, Chalo, chanda dena. <laughs> they don't have a chanda collection box also. So such kind of people, they don't have any livelihood as such also. So, knowing him to be a Sadhguru who is an abode of peace, has no conceit for his learning and knowledge and to whom small or great are all equal. That person is full of peace. Peace doesn't mean uh, always, you know, like that. Okay. You know all those funny Babaji's in this world, they are like that. Have you seen all the Babaji's today, most of them are in jail. Those who do like this, you know, ah, achha, 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 bete, achhi hai. those Babaji's must have 20 ashrams or 30 ashrams and they are all now in jail. They look very peaceful by the way. And what are the what are the reasons why they are in jail today? Because some girl has uh, said that they have done something to her and all that. This is the funniest part of it all. There is nothing. You know, these people look peaceful, but we are not talking about peace. See, peace is always considered by a peaceful persona. Sai Baba, if you looked at him, you would would do susu in your pants. He was such a dangerous looking person, you know. (laughs) I'm not joking. My grandmother used to say, you couldn't look into his eyes. He has such powerful eyes, my grandmother used to say. And she used to say, when we used to look at Baba, no, we would piss in our pants. I, I would laugh at that. I said, what Granny, you are talking like this? He says, "Tula nai maithi, tencha kade bakta hota, means you couldn't even look at his eyes. We were shit scared of him, like that. And Baba was like that, a very strict persona. Then what can you say about his peace? Uh, what peace are we talking about? It is nothing to do with that kind of peace where he is running around with a big stick in his head and he No, nothing. <laughs> this peace is, we reach a state of tranquility being in the company of the sages. Our worldly things which are there, no? What? All these worldly desires which are there, no? These are slowly, slowly getting out. Slowly going out. I, we don't have anything in the world to bother about after that. See, our taste is there. The taste is, I want to eat this and I want to eat that and I want to have that and I want to have that. When you come in contact with these great gurus, these sad gurus, what happens is, all that was going to put you down in that dump, you know, all that karmic loop, it slowly goes off. It slowly goes off. You don't have desires. There is peace in your world. You are not running after material worldly things. And if you have material worldly things, they these people by just doing like this, like this, you know, with this with their hand like this, you know, your all your problems are slowly finished. And then you wonder, oh my god, I had this problem. It was it was there. Well, where did it go suddenly? So these problems, which are called uh, that which is going to trap you in the material world, disappear like a wisp. That is the kind of peace they give to the people. So this kind of Guru... Remember, all these people you must have seen, you know. Like Chandorkar and all this Dabulkar and so on and so forth. They were so much trapped in the material world. What happened after they came in contact with Baba? Baba would run after them with the stick. <laughs> no peace over there. But He is driving away their karma. See? He drives away their karma, he takes a stick and says to the karma, get lost, don't run after my, my son. You understand? So that is the reason why he says, the Sadguru looks after everybody as the son or the daughter. So, know him to be a Sadguru is an abode of peace, who has no conceit for his learning and knowledge to whom small and great are all equal. There is no such thing as somebody is great or somebody is small. I everybody is one and the same. Okay? Such generally are the qualities of a Sadhguru in brief which I, the humble one, have narrated to the listeners having put them all together. Those two, To those fortunate ones whose eyes are already satiated with Sai's darshan, what more can I say about the qualities of the Sadhguru? It is only because of the merit of innumerable birth has accumulated in abundance that we came to the feet of Sadhguru Sai. Even in the very prime of the youth, he had no possessions. He was without any support. Without any home and a hearth, All that he possessed was a tobacco and a pipe and a great self-restraint. Since the age of 18 years, he had absolutely no he had absolute self-conquest. Always he would sit in solitude, self-absorbed and fearless. The Sadhguru is always fearless. Fearless in the sense, see, many a times you will find that people are afraid of the stupidest of the things. A Sadhguru is not bothered about this kind of material worldly fears. What is the fear that they have? The fear that the money will not be there. The fear that there will be no house, there will be nothing to do, no place to stay. You know all these are fears. We have no livelihood. I don't have this, I don't have that. There is no place to go. Where will I go? What will I do? These are all daily things, isn't it? Kal mai kya karega? Khana ki darse khayega. All these things, are they not there? These are our daily fears. Kal ka khana kaise aega? The Sadhguru is least bothered about it. He is not bothered ki where is the food going to come. He can take a katori and he can go out and beg for food also. Can we do it? Can anybody amongst us take a katori out and go out in the sense, eh, Bhikshande Baba and all that. No, we are all having our, our egos in place. We cannot do that, sir. It's beyond our dignity. Ah, mira. Mera ka people will say. Okay. Now this Hindi is going to come into vogue. You know why? Because the person who has been elected is from that region only. He talks like this. So now this Mera ka ho Bombay Hindi talk will come. Don't worry. <laughs> so, so, this person is least bothered about these kind of small, small petty things in this world. He has a self-restraint. Self-restraint means what? Self-restraint in our material world is... The moment you see certain things, your eyes keep on wandering you are there, you are there, everywhere, you know. The mind gets entangled in that. These people are least bothered about such kind of things. Whether they are there or not there, it doesn't matter to them. Such kind of people. So, self-conquest, always sit in solitude. Now, if I ask you, can you sit for the next 24 hours without shaking over there or without doing anything? You know, I'm sorry, you will say, no, no, how can I do that? I cannot do that, I have got so many jobs to do, isn't it? You will definitely say, Are Baba doodh lane ka hai, bread lane ka hai, ye karne ka hai, wo karne ka hai, bacha aayega, karunga, <laughs> How many things we have in our world to do? So think about it, can you sit for even one hour? You know, a mother who is having a small child, like I mean, now oh mega <laughs> here. ask her to sit quiet for one hour. I mean, this one hour that she spends is a great thing. But when the son is around, he will say, Mommy, Mommy, I want this, I want this, I want this, I want this. You have to take him from the school, take him over there, do this, do that, you know. Achso, your son is here to grow up, but tomorrow when he grows up, nah, this class is, that class is, this is there, that is there, and Father's Day, Mother's Day, Teacher's Day, this one. You know, finally you feel so fed up of it and you say, Can I have one day peace in my world? That one day peace doesn't seem to be there. <laughs> but this Guru who is there, we are talking about the Sadguru. The Sadguru, if you, if you tell him, go and sit in the corner over there. I mean, he just wants to sit in the corner. He can sit over there and the next day you can see he is still sitting over there. We have all the worries in the world. This person has absolutely nothing to bother him. You got what I am saying? You will find him sitting there. So such a kind of a person who really has no qualms about, has absolutely no problems in his world, such a type of a person can sit in solitude, self-absorbed, self-absorbed. You, you give one, one young person in this world today, let say half an hour you don't do anything. In less than five minutes he would have removed his phone and he would have started doing WhatsApp and this app and that app. You can't keep quiet. There is no way in which they can. You, you you, give your son one iPad or something like that, keep it in front of him and then and say to him in no, don't touch it. Touch it! Before your eyes are gone on the other side, he is already with it and he started doing all those kind of things. So think about it today, this same Guru can sit in one room without doing anything, with full control over his mind, and his self and yet be lost in himself and at the end of the day if you try so I will continue from where we left when we saw the pure loving devotion of the devotees to prove to them that that it was his promise that he was a slave to his devotees he would always be present wherever there was such a loving devotion so what Sai Baba would do is he would go to these people's places Normally try to tell a guru, you know, suppose he says, you know, can, uh, the person is, is refusing to go to anybody's place. They will say, you come to my location, I will not come to yours. This kind of arrogance is there, this kind of conceit is there of their place, their location, the place that they are staying. They will not go. I remember one of the very beautiful episodes where Ramakrishna Paramahansa goes all the way to Kolkata. <laughs> To meet his dearest disciple. And then he goes to that house and that place. And he asks over there very very innocently. Can I meet so and so? And funnily. That person is sitting with about 5-6 people. He doesn't even get up from his seat when Ramakrishna Paramahansa comes to his location. Okay. I think his name was Vidya Sagar. Vidyasagar was his name. He was the owner of the schools where Narendra, where Mahendranath, it is M, the one who has written this book, you know, the Gospel of Ramakrishna Paramahansa. So Vidyasagar doesn't even get up from his seat, and yet Ramakrishna Paramahansa has gone all the way to his house to meet him. It's the same case when he had gone to meet the father of Rabindranath Tagore, Debendranath Tagore. He had gone to meet him. And that gentleman treated him very shabbily. And these gurus don't bother about these kind of things. They will go out of the way to be in whosoever's house and even if they are insulted over there, they are not offered anything. At that point, one of the instances is he has gone to some place where he there is no place even for him to eat food. So he sits with every other person over there. That is in the brahmo samaj. There is no arrogance there. Did you see that arrogance over there? No. Such a great person, yet being so humble, so humble, he will wait for people to, you know, say, ki, okay, would you like to eat? So such a type of a great person. Hello, eternal Parabrahma. You who uplift the poor and the meek and have always a pleased countenance, who are filled with the universal consciousness and are entirely in the power of your devotees, please give darshan to the devotees. You who are beyond the pairs of dualities are both sagun and nirgun omniscient and beyond everything glory be to you you are incomprehensible to those who do not worship you all hail those who do not worship you there are people in this world who who despise such kind of sages despise such kind of sadgurus. so they are not feeling bad about it they can be as benevolent to them but the other person cannot see the goodness in them can never can never so that is the reason why you have to understand these people only with faith. Faith is the most important thing. It's only when you have faith and you have surrendered to the Guru, then only you will be able to understand he is the Sadguru. Oh hail Sadguru Raya, you who remove the pain and the sorrow of this worldly life and destroy the elephant that is worldly life is, who love to all those who take refuge at your feast and protect them in their difficulties. When you merged with the unmanifest, <coughs> your form became formless. But even after leaving the body, your work of uplifting the devotees has not come to an end. All that you did while in the body still continues even after merging with the unmanifest. And though, those who worship, who have the same experience even today. Making me a lowly creature, your instrument, you have brought up, out the sun of your life story, which is powerful enough to uplift your devotee by dispelling the darkness of their ignorance. The belief in their existence of God, the faith and the devotion of Him, is itself the earthen lamp that is the devotee's heart. And when the wick burns bright with the oil of love, the flame of the knowledge appears. Without love, knowledge is dry. Just giving knowledge is not sufficient. The person should exude love. Love should flow from every portion of their being. You see, love doesn't... How do we translate love? Love doesn't get translated into Oh, Mera Baba, Mera Puta, you know how they do in the films and all that. Sorry, that is not called love. Love doesn't mean that. You are supposed to be feeling, Oh, you are such a nice person, you are my baby. That is done by a mother. Mm-hmm. Sadguru's love is never like that. A Sadguru's love is very unique. It is in the form of, you know, third button on yeah. Don't worry, it will come on. So, Sadhguru's love is like that, you know what? His love is very strange. He gives you two tight slaps also. And you wonder, Oh my God, he he doesn't give any love to me. You know, he's giving you two tight slaps, You you really think he hates you? No, nothing like that. There is nothing like that. These two tight slaps, for something completely different you don't even know why he is giving you that but his love is like that you know uh, there is this great uh, says that we were talking about some few months ago Samartha Ramdas you know Samartha Ramdas was one of the strictest gurus of all okay he was uh, the guru of even Shivaji uh, Maharaj he would sit in a cave okay and he would make his disciples sit in a cave. And he would, he would be a, literally a tyrant. Tyrant to that level where people would get scared of him even to come and approach him, they will be afraid. But he was a very benevolent person. It is not about the way he behaves, you don't understand. The love doesn't mean that he behaves like that. You know the great sage, Vashishtamuni. Muni was worse than a tyrant. Believe it or not, Vasistha Muni would not spare anybody—not a single person. Like we would think, you know, Muni would be like this, you know, great sage like that. Sorry, you don't understand. Vasistha Muni was literally a tyrant. He would not leave anybody. And if you think that he was doing great favors to Sri Ram and I'm sorry, he was—he—he he would literally make them squirm. You know the reason why? The love is for this particular, oh god, it's dropping, when did it drop also, I don't know. They should ping me more. Kapi, how will they ping me if the it's net is right, dropped? It's getting recorded. So, let us see. See what happens is, these sages that we are talking about, whether it is uh, Muni or whether it is uh, you know, even just now I was talking about Swami Samartha Ramdas. Very, very, very strict people. Again, we visited one more place which is called Akkalkot. Court. Akkal Court Swami was literally, I mean, we would, we would be scared of meeting him. He had such a big stomach, he would sit over there literally like a dada, you know, big big boss. <laughs> people were scared of meeting him and he was a very angry person so the peace that we talk about or the love that we talk about is not to do with a person doesn't come and say oh you are the great person yeah no 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 it is not loving talk it's not about loving talk it's the way they behave they can give two tight slaps also The the slaps which we are talking about actually are so very beneficial to us nobody can understand this is the benefit that they have you know nobody will be able to understand this kind of thing so Where were we? We are in 20, twenty-five, is it? No, twenty-five, yeah. Making me a lowly creature, yeah, correct, no? Merging with the unmanifest. 25 verse, 25 no? Making me a lowly creature, your instrument, your bought upon the son of your love, life story, which is powerful enough to uplift the devotees by dispelling the darkness of their ignorance, the belief in the existence of God, the faith and the devotion on Him, Is itself the earthen lamp that the devotee's heart, when the wick burns bright with the oil of love, the flame of the knowledge appears. Without love, knowledge is dry. Of what use is it to anyone? Without love, there is no satisfaction. But that love should be undivided. There should be no division of love. It is not like, you know, that uh, only one-sided love. One-sided love is of no use. It has to be from both the sides and it should be a continuous flow from one to the other, other to the one. It's a continuous flow, then only you will be able to reach that state of the divine. Okay? Oh, how can the power and the greatness of the love be described? Everything is insignificant over here, before it. And unless one has a deep love in the heart, all the listening and readiness, reading is fruitless. See, if you don't have any love for the divine, for that Sadhguru, even if you sit and read a passage from a book, it's of no use. So, you know, many a times I have myself told people in my group, I have told them, see if you don't feel like, you know, today you don't feel that you don't want to listen to it because you are angry in your world for certain reason, don't sit. You know why? The knowledge is not going to enter anywhere. It's bouncing back. You are like that mercury, maybe you are like that uh, arum leaf. It, the Water also doesn't stay on top of it, it just goes off. So it's better not to sit over there. Sometimes person gets angry, you see, for no rhyme or reason, a person actually gets angry. He thinks that, you know, there is a problem in his world. So, they don't want to be a part of it. At such time, you should advise, don't sit. It's not important. You are not going to miss anything. Don't worry. What is due to you will anyway come to you. You may be in any part of the world. You may be feeling sick and all that. Don't worry. That knowledge will come walking to you. So don't be, don't be afraid, because Sadhguru is like a great fellow, you know, he is full of love. He will, he will, he will make a small capsule of it and give it to you, don't worry. <laughs> when you eat it, it will open up into something great. So it's like that. So his love is like that. So, in love resides true devotion. In it lies all the peace and renunciation and mukti and all the wealth stands before it too. So, in this love, all these things are there renunciation is there peace is there liberation is there wealth is there everything stands within it so we will stop over here today okay and we'll continue i'm very sorry today we had a lot of breaks in between because of the net connectivity so